Welcome to your favorite channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Gonna be talking Kingdom Come today, Jimmy, but first gotta let you guys know that the Patreon exists and the King Kayfabers are uh, joining in the chat room to help us with this conversation uh, while we look at one of the sort of seminal DC comics. Uh, the, you get to that Patreon through the link in the description below, become a King Kayfaber, you're privy to uh, our live streams. You're also privy to all the videos before anybody else, but there are several uh, levels of participation in that Patreon. See what works for you. Support the channel that way. Cartoonist Kayfabe Comic Book Christmas in July is happening the last Saturday of this month. This is an effort that we're putting together to increase comic awareness. And the way that we're doing that, we're going to the free lent little lending libraries in our neighborhood, and we are stuffing those things to the gills with comics. Uh, this is something that we did last year. Over a thousand people participated and shared videos and, and photos of uh, those free little lending libraries full of comics with us. We repost those things on our social media. Increases the possibility that somebody's going to come across some comics and become a lifer. Without further ado, Jimmy, let's take a look at uh, Kingdom Come. You know, it's been a long time coming uh, on this channel for one thing. It's been years since we looked at uh, the Marvel's book that Alex Ross did with Kurt Busiek on uh, the writing duties and that was kind of a journey through Marvel Comics up to I guess really the Silver Age or like the, the the beginning of the Bronze Age with the snapping of Gwen Stacy's neck ended there was a logical place to go the future baby yeah it's a really cool bookend set between doing the past in Marvels and doing the future of DC like talk about in case you didn't have all of comics fandom wrapped around your little finger this is your other bookend piece yeah hell of a one-two punch man talk about who owned the 90s you can make a good argument it's alex ross oh man you go to san diego comic-con today and you look up and and uh, the amount of vinyl signage he has hanging from his booth like probably in the heart of the of the whole floor it's got to be whatever that costs him i think it's the cost of my parents house <laughs> That, it, it is expensive real estate. <laughs> it's got to be certainly in the five figures of, of real estate uh, with another couple five figures of vinyl signage and things like that. Man, the, guy, the guy's a cottage industry unto himself. And uh, this is, you know, a DC wing of that. And he's also a guy who transcends comics. You know, like, it's, it's interesting where he fits now because, like, there's so many talented artists that come through comics. Very few of them actually succeed beyond comics yeah and he's one of them you know from the academy awards to all sorts of promotional art like he does shows way beyond the limits of comics and i i don't mean that to sound negative when i say limits but like one of the things that turned me really in his favor was he had a giant exhibition at the warhol museum their most successful exhibition ever this is a museum that's been around for decades and it's alex ross who sells the most tickets yeah yeah you know it comes from a lineage you know his mother professional illustrator of that like Andrew Loomis like like the old school cut of illustrators you know the mad men type of illustrators and he works in that mad men sort right. of way posing people setting up lighting doing all the stuff that those Connecticut illustrators and those Johnstone and Cushing illustrators have done long gone are those days in comic books in the 90s and they are all but disappeared now uh that amount of rigor in terms of illustration you could you could get a lot of that across it was just photography or photoshop trickery or maybe even down to ai at this point uh so like he has a, a skill set no other cartoonist had uh and it 
has its limitations. Like, when it comes to storytelling, there might be some shit with this fella, but you can't argue with the rigor and the setup that he has going on. This is um, an aside from this story in a lot of ways, uh but reading this, one of my takeaways was I wish this was oversized. Yeah. Because he's loading these pages, and, and it's very much a presentation of superheroes as gods, and that was one of my takeaways, and I think abs there may be an absolute edition that's oversized, but reading this, it was like, I wish the art was bigger. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's giant subject matter, and it's comic book size in these editions. You so. got you to gotta earn that, and uh, with stuff like Kingdom Come, he earned that, and he has like four or five oversized, treasury-sized uh, co comics through DC. We'll probably have to look at those at some point. I got two or three of them, um, and he made good on that. But uh, you have to earn your position there. He is an untested quantity at DC, though when he starts putting in this imagery and sending it their way, uh, they probably are starting to uh, see what's going to happen with this thing. This, this exact edition that I got, I got it in the 90s. It might be the first hardcover edition, Jimmy. And it was totally one of those high school things of like whatever girl I was hanging out with at that moment. Just do it, and it's graffiti designs even, it's that early. Just doing whatever she could to like relate to my fucking nerdy, introverted ass. That's hilarious. And, and uh, the result, you know, one birthday, age 16, 17 or something like that, man. Comes with the hardcover of Kingdom Come. It speaks to Alex Ross and the appeal to a wider audience. Because one year at Christmas, my mother-in-law got me an Alex Ross book from the bookstore. <laughs> and I think it's because that's something that, that the lay person can look at and go, wow, this is really good. Look at this. Now, here's the thing. Like, I, on, I had pull lists at this point. I grabbed the first one, and I was like, okay, that's cool. I, I only grabbed the first one. This is the cover spreads. So this would be the front cover, say Kingdom Come Up Top. You look on the back, you see this. Up, and you see, like off the bat, you see the amount of rigor he puts into it because he's designing all these characters brand new. And there are sketches in your edition mm. to correspond with that. It's not like he just designed this character like on this page when he's like, oh, what would the future version of so-and-so look like? No, he's putting that together. So there's a whole lot of level of, uh, there's a whole lot of work that's being done here that we don't get to enjoy until subsequent editions, like your trade paperback that you showed off right there. I think this is the character that Brian Azzarello poses for. When you look in the back, it'll have... Um, That's funny. It makes names. me wonder if, if Brian Azzarello come up with even the 666, because I like that character <laughs> design, but it's out there. I don't know if this is in yours, but uh, you notice names. Jill Thompson, mm -hmm. Azzarello. You'll see other names like Terry LeBan. This is uh, this is the, the um, Chicago wing of like mainstream comics at, at that point. Too bad there ain't a Jeff Darrow in there. Yeah. Would have been sweet. Pretty bold move on the first issue to not have your Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman front and center. Yeah. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Three levels of access to our videos early. And at the King Kayfaber level, you actually get access to all of our videos early and the recording session. So you'll be the first in line to beat the Kayfabe effect. When you see a book that you want to add to your collection, you'll get it before uh, the Kayfabe effect sends it through the roof or makes it hard to find. These videos are also brought to you by the books that we make. You see our bibliography in front of you. We've got some new books on their way or recent additions to our publications. So Street Angel, Princess of Poverty will be out later this year from Image Comics. This collects all my Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Live, which is also available from Image. You can see Hulk Grand Design and the Plain Janes as well. And my latest comic, True Crime Funny, is available directly from my website or on my Patreon. 
Ed's got some big books coming out later this year, starting with the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus. Notice that beautiful gold foil cover. This is going to collect all of the Hip Hop Family Tree comics, as well as 140 extra pages, and will be out this fall in time for the holiday season. But it has been sent to print, so you're going to want to reserve your copy ASAP to make sure that you get one this holiday season for you or the Hip Hop fan in your life. X-Men Grand Design is being collected. All three of the X-Men Grand Design volumes in one easy to read copy so pick that one up again pre-order it now it'll be ready for christmas this year and red room crypto killers the third season of red room first two issues have been released already there are two more coming soon and there are two trade paperbacks collecting the first two volumes these are all self-contained so whatever red room you find that's the perfect place to start reading and now back to our video yeah ballsy choice so uh each each edition, each of the four chapters begins with this uh, scripture kind of stuff where you get to see the uh, the God's strike opens up on our guy. Man, I'm going to call him Windsor McKay a lot of times while we go through this. Probably I think it's uh, is it like yeah, Norman yeah. McKay, which is Ross's dad, right? Yes. Pose it posing for the gimmick, man. Uh, Wesley Dodds, Sandman character. You gotta sprinkle these bits in here with the with the red to give you the flashback for when we come to the Superman piece at the end. That when I read it the first time, threw me off a little bit. Uh, I thought it was like a present day thing, but you gotta pay attention. Uh, as we zoom in, we see that this is a world of superheroes, very Art Deco, like mm -hmm. like the shape of these guys, almost like the lady from Metropolis. Honestly, it could be a storyboard for Watchmen. Yeah. Or top 10 yeah and, and, and it would continue your, your watchmen gimmicks right here yeah and right here who watches the watchmen graffitied on the wall so an obvious and, easter and, egg but it's kind of loaded with those and right here yes. under the hood by hollis mason very fun yeah <laughs> and uh alternate alternative egos is one of these uh a nod to roy thomas's altered egos uh fan fanzine yeah uh the reading experience of this now compared to when i was a kid it has changed because as a more mature person and understanding the context of the time far better uh this is a mark wade alex ross kibitzing about the state of comics today which would be 1996 yes definitely and uh in retrospect i almost agree with everything they say in a certain <laughs> way <laughs> i love whenever ross does this kind of stuff where it's like now we're going to break from our photo referenced characters to things like advertising art costumes uh you know you see flat art on the wall to me that really sells the style absolutely you know that gives you the world yeah. and this of course is a themed restaurant yes. around these uh at this point in the future these past superhero legends and yeah. sugar and spike <laughs> yeah sugar and spike man uh portly kind of uh restaurant tours the ill-fitting suits the right number of heads tall yes it's really neat to see like the DC, the JLA here, but just with normal people proportions. And you just know he is so reference heavy, uh, Alex Ross is, that he probably went into like a hard rock cafe and snapped a couple of pics. And this is pre-digital camera era. So now he's got to go down to the Piggly Wiggly or uh, the Walmart or something and get that, those photos developed. That's funny. Um, great use in the first several pages of a muted palette, and then whenever we get inside this superhero restaurant, yeah. it is bright primary colors. 
letting you know that this is the world they live in. Uh, I think they captured that that spirit just as good as Alan Moore and Gene Ha did in uh, Top Ten, where like he this is a guy. If this happened to you, some dude ran at supersonic speed past you, you would not be reacting this way. But that's just another Monday to good old Norman McKay. Yeah, that's impressive. He no sells that. This Jimmy Olsen from that famous cover where he's like the fifty foot. Uh-huh. mutant or whatever that was a crib from an old pulp magazine uh, that had a very similar uh, aesthetic so very famous cover one thing i find interesting in these in these like city scenes they look old they look quaint you know like like that's not a high-tech future cab no the, the city streets aren't overpopulated by people or garbage or anything like that it's a bit of magical realism where it's the near future and all the technology is still the same. The magical piece will be that the super beings are among us. They're far more uh, voluminous in amount, and they're not really thinking about the consequences of their battles. Uh, it leans heavy into that idea of uh, the villains and the heroes, like they need one another, stay engaged in constant battle for the fun of it. And this kind of pose... And this whole layout to me says 90s image excess. You know (laughs) know what what I mean? Because that's what these characters are, right? This is the, if we're going to cut promos on somebody, it's these new superheroes. Sure, sure. Like, but what Adams will do a lot, I mean, what Ross will do a lot is, like, I think of Neil Adams. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll see a bunch of that kind of thing. And it makes sense that you think of Neil Adams because they're coming from the same sort of illustration background. Right. Yeah, Alex Ross would have been a darling at John Stone in Cushing. Now we're going to church. Very few people in church these days, man. It's all all, all the elderly are chilling. Yeah, that almost feels like uh, George Bush there. It does. They're, they're, we're we're going to see a lot of people, man, that that uh, are reminiscent. There's another like little foreshadowing flashback thing. You gotta you gotta sort of lean on these for for that last couple of pages to make to get that to kind of make sense. Now this is fucking amazing look at this was promo art this yeah. was a piece that i would see wherever they were writing about kingdom come this is a piece they were putting out there as part of the pro of the media kit unbelievable yeah for sure there's a the, good choice on using that for the media kit by the way yeah yeah so regal so spectral if you will great cut too if you're gonna do one page between our godlike being and the reaction of our holy man when alex ross you know gets that air compressor and pulls out his airbrush and just hits it with that little bit. He knows exactly where to do it to make it sing, to create effects. This is not Photoshop, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is practically doing this this kind of thing. And what is the the, the, the specters? White skin, green outfit. Uh, in, in sort of the Renaissance rules of painting, there's no white, there's no black, but there is in the specter. So you're getting white, and this is where Ross is able to like use 100% black also, and it and it makes sense. That glow, and, and I didn't even pick up that that was a, uh, an airbrush until you said it. That glow is present throughout, especially on the superheroes, and it's such an interesting effect. Yeah. And how about like a one hair brush to like get that skull in the eye on that last panel there? Jeez, I didn't even realize that was there. <laughs> it's so tiny. That's one for everybody to pause at home and try to see it. It's so small. So in Marvels, we had a kind of a journalist fella from the Daily Bugle 
who was taking us through this rich tapestry of Marvel he heroes. In this one, we have the Spectre, who's our interlocutor, our Shakespearean interlocutor character, that's going to take our Norman McKay fella through the doldrums of this future DC universe. And first place they're going, Midwestern farmland, which is selling you immediately. We know who this guy is. It's a very 90s outfit. L.O. Cool J wore that to uh, some music awards, I believe. Fantastic. Possibly the body model for the Superman here. You know, it's funny taking Norman McKay through this with the Spectre. It's one of the parts that I struggle with because mm -hmm. it's a lot of exposition. Yeah. It's almost like they're there just to tell us what they're seeing. And it makes me wonder, because this is a time where I think DC has moratorium on, on uh, thought balloons, um, you know, on certain certain ways to communicate. That was a that was a vertigo thing. That was a Karen Berger vertigo thing. That I think. was only vertigo. But yeah, that stuff was in uh, the the other comics. Quite sure, but and I don't know that the thought balloons are the answer here either. But I could see this as being narration, possibly if Alan Moore is doing what, it. What I I do think that for for like what this comic is, the you could have beat the story out in a more interesting way, and, and without without that kind of stuff. There, there was a. We sit down, we put our heads together. You could think of a better way to use Alex Ross's talent to get every exact point across uh, than the way they do it with this like sort of interlocutor thing. This is one of those pieces where as an illustrator, you know, he's having these tangents and stuff because you have a tangent with the front of the tractor with this door frame, yep. with the front of this lumber, having the lumber stop at the horse is a compositional kind of no-no in a lot of ways uh, that just, it's, it sort of speaks to where Alex Ross is placing his value. This was another piece that was promo art. I remember seeing that one in different places and think it, it, it works pretty well. You're right about the tangents because it does look like that tractor's just pressed up against that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the doorway. Like, like this is like this is a wily kind of thing, tapestry thing, and he's just leaning against it. And I feel like if you don't draw, you're probably looking at this right now, going, "What are you talking about? Oh, there's keyboard. That there's tractor keyboard. looks great. There's keyboard clickers yeah, get, getting ready to go. You guys are jealous." But I was looking at uh, at Superman here, right, with the long hair. Yeah. And later we're gonna see Bruce Wayne with like what I thought might be a uh, spinal reconstruction exoskeleton. Yeah. And it made me think like. Is he bound by some of the 90s stuff that's going on? Is this mullet Superman that he has to work into the future? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's his choices. Like, I think this guy's writing his ticket, and uh, we have the world we have, and, and he's he's playing playing with it a little bit. We learn that it's a kayfabe Midwestern uh, farmland, man, because uh, it's part of his kind of fortress solitude joint. Very but bizarre. You know, I don't remember that at all, and I don't know that it plays into any kind of storytelling. It's just like this nostalgic virtual reality that that Kent finds solace in. Very strange when you think about that. And we don't dwell on it, really. You know, he just left the superhero business. Right. But what did he replace it with? A video game of his childhood farm. Man, how many of us are all going to do that? As we, get, Whenever I get the chance to VR into like my first comic shop, yeah. you're never going to see me again. I think Ross lives there, dude. Like <laughs> When you see inside of his studio and he's got like life-size mannequins of this superhero, that superhero, got all the Mego figures, got all this stuff. Like, like this shit right here, this is the inside of fucking Alex Ross's studio with all of his Franklin Mint toys and shit. 
it's so funny. Like that one detail in my head is like, this is how Dan Klaus does a DC superhero. <laughs> like we would spend the whole time thinking about the guy. Imagine Bruce Wayne, uh, what that virtual reality set that he hangs out in. We got to set up our modern world and how we got the, uh, how we got there. Uh, and it has to do with us splitting the atom. I think this is a very, very cool part. Yeah. This idea of like, how are you going to have a cataclysmic event that goes wrong? Dude, you mess up this guy. Is he Molecule Man? It's, a, it's just Captain Adam. Captain Adam. To, to split him and create essentially a nuclear holocaust in the middle of Kansas, that's kind of a genius moment, man. That, that really sets up some stakes. Yeah, and uh, you know that could have been page one. That's true. That's true. Here is our Rob Liefeld nod with a Magog. Uh, very much a cable kind of... Uh, even looks like Josh Brolin. Yeah, you're bringing right. it weirdly into the future. Yeah, you're right. There's our Holocaust. We said it before, man. Drawing anything laying on the ground, super tough. But he's selling those uh, that livestock really well in these illustrations. I'm curious about the Fortress of Solitude. It seems inconceivable to me that you could have this kind of nuclear Holocaust and, and it'd be news to Superman. Like he wouldn't detect it somehow. Right. But I guess if it's really a fortress of solitude, he's completely cut off from the world, I suppose, would be the answer there. That's a big one to miss. These are the pieces that uh, where Ross limits himself with his photo reference and things. Because it really feels like he's just... This is a photo of him standing on a, on a chair shooting down at his chick uh, who's got a Wonder Woman costume on. Because it feels, it, it feels static. Continuing with our interlocutor to, uh, we got to see where, what everybody at DC is up to. You know what's funny? That Wonder Woman didn't bother me at all, but the Flash stuff is where I see the static part. And I love the idea that he's always a blur and he's always, you know, moving. But whenever you see, like, the details of him, he looks so not moving. Yeah, he does. You know, like, in a weird way, we'd never see his face if he were really, you know, constantly in motion. Right. Nice use of the palette, though. I really like as we rifle through here. It's like different scene, different scene. You know, very clear. You could see it from across the room. <laughs> Makes sense that the environmentalist is in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I like Hawkman, too, as like some weird Egyptian god. Yeah. Looks cool. Good job on a lot of those visuals, like figuring out future versions and stuff. Got our Legion, all that stuff. But, you know, we really want to get to Gotham City as soon as possible and see what's going on there. The one little Easter egg that I totally remember is that this crew is the um, Fat Albert gang. <laughs> and you see even yeah, with, the, with the tassel cap. That's funny. When we flip the page, you'll see even more. But he's very steeped in like the animated series, Tim Burton aesthetic of uh, Gotham City. He agrees with that. I, I say Makes that, perfect sense. It does, but like everything you hear about uh, Ross and you hear him talking about stuff, like he is very steeped in the stuff that interested him as a child and rarely escapes that, you know, like doesn't have much of creative curiosity about like, say the Japanese version of uh, battle of the planets that is uncensored and tells like a completely kind of different story. He just wants his little joint. Like, he likes Speed Racer, the TV show. Couldn't give a fuck about a manga that he didn't, because he didn't see the manga when he was a kid. Uh, so whenever he adopts anything that comes past his like childhood formative years, it's kind of noteworthy. 
And Gotham is essentially a police state under the control of the Batman Defense Corps or whatever. Yeah, dude. You really get it there. It's like there's Batman's basically sentinels closing in on this kid gang. Right. Batman has his city under control. Got our kayfabe new, new heroes here. Lots of big guns. So reading this, I thought, man, they do nothing to develop any of these new heroes. Right. But of course, they're the MacGuffin. Yeah. You know, like they're a red herring. We're not really interested in them. They're they're kind of interesting visually, and that's all you need from them. And if you're going to cut a promo on like the 90s image revolution, there it is, that's right? what it is, right? They look cool, and that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> I think that's Kevin Smith. Kind of looks like, even the expression kind of looks like him. Whenever you see these hyper-focus yes. faces, you know there's somebody in Alex Ross's life or some famous actor or something. Paul Dini? Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I know what Paul Dini looks like, and I don't think it's exactly like there. that. No. But we, there might be some Bruce Timms. How about uh, Pete Tomasi, the, one of the editors that worked on this? Sure. I, I, I ran into I shared like. a shuttle with him once. Yeah. <laughs> Confused him for Rich Tomaso. Because Pete Tommaso is yeah. almost the same thing, but not at all the same. They use so him a couple times, man. Yeah, if you see him a couple times, it's got to be somebody that he's crossing paths with. Totally. Uh, this is another one of those images. It's just fantastic. Almost a Dark Knight Returns-esque moment. Because you turn the page, you've got the big splash on the left, and it's that low shot of like a hero up in the sky. The way he builds the figure, very much in the Fleischer Studios school of, you know, the, the animated cartoon from the 40s, 30s, whatever that was. I went through a big phase of this kind of thing where it was like, yeah, if you have cloth on, you're not getting to see all the muscle striations and veins. And it was such a conflict to me, the two different approaches, because I liked both. Yeah. But, you know, I would I would oscillate. And at some point it was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. You're totally. not drawing all the muscles, you're drawing the shape. Right. Yeah, so good, man. Uh, probably best exemplified in, in black and white line by like maybe like a Frank Whiteley mm. would uh, do that really, really well. As a storytelling piece, this this is like what confused me as a kid. It's like, it's like uh, you see Norman McKay checking out the Superman, and then you see this like other view that's like, you know, a eye line point of view. It's not looking up at him or anything. It's straight on, and it's you know a death thing, and then he looks concerned. So the way the storytelling fits, it's like it's happening in real time in a certain way. But it's not. It's like a vision. Yeah, that's right. That Norman he has, McKay is having. Right, and and he and uh, Scepter talk about those visions throughout the series. So yeah. I, I think that's the way to interpret that. It is, totally. Into chapter two, Jimmy. Pretty clever. The idea of making the Red Robin as your Batman, since Batman's going to occupy a different role. Totally. But you need a Batman-esque figure in there. So. And Dick Grayson, congratulations. Straight from Michael Keaton. Got our new hero straight from the boys, right? Like you could imagine uh, Gar Garth Ennis using. Uh, the, I mean, this is like straight out of like British comics. Kevin O'Neill, like any kind of 2000 AD kind of American superhero would have this kind of accoutrement. Yeah, very awesome. And this is one of those pages when I talked about like bigger would be better for this arc. Yeah. There's so much happening. And whenever he's doing like a long shot and you're getting to see like lots of people, it just feels big. And, and I kind of wish the art was bigger. I love the Lobo references. There'll be a couple Lobo references in here. To me, that's one of those 90s-esque characters, maybe the DC version of an image character in some ways. Right. Whenever you get these big money splashes, man, you just got to indulge in those. Definitely. 
Yeah, you think about selling original art or paintings, like what is what is this page? I know. And of course, something like that has to be built into this comic often. Yeah, does pretty well in terms of delivering money shots. Sure. Pretty consistently throughout, which is, I, I applaud them. I, I don't need more backstory. I need more of the characters I came here for. Right, that's Michael Keaton. Yeah. yeah. Without the horns. I'm sure these aliens are such a deep cut too. Like, I'm sure they're accurate to, like, the DC universe. Some fun stuff with them. Close-ups and head sort of distorting and things like that. You yeah. Know, it's a little bit of a chance to... Let's, I love that panel. Let's let's see the photo ref for that one. Because <laughs> that looks too well-referenced. Looks That's like somebody lip. pressed against a window or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you got our, your proper superheroes saving a day like they did in Days of Yore. And it's showing the contrast. Like, we've seen the crazy, maniacal stuff that the modern-day quote-unquote superhero was doing. The classic superheroes taking care of business in a much bigger way. There's a tank and soldiers you see standing outside of, like, the UN building. And it feels like that's pretty spot-on. Like, sure. I don't know how much of that you're seeing pre-9-11. But, you know, this book obviously coming out before 9-11. But in today's world, like, it... I'd be surprised not to see that kind of armed sentries all around a building like that. Big shouts to Todd Klein, who's the invisible uh, third man, who's who's really uh, selling this this comic in a great way. And it's even subtle things like this. Whenever Superman gets on the mic, has the booming voice, just building up that uh, that dialogue bubble, it creates a louder tenor. Yeah, I to like that, that voice. a lot. Creates separation between your people and your heroes. And uh, Ross gives Todd Klein some props in the back matter of my my copy. Guy from the Bugle has showed up. I mean, yeah, yeah, from the Daily Bugle has showed up to, uh, you know, write, write a little something. There he is right there, too. Does he have an eye patch? Is that the dude from Marvel's? Yeah. Are we going 100%? Yeah, nice. yeah, totally. That's good. You got to sneak stuff like that in. All right, we're at a boardroom. Maybe that's Tora Tanaka. Just get a glimpse of that boardroom, dude. We know we know something's going down. Those are your bureaucrats from Shin Godzilla. <laughs> I love this. We're going into Batman's cave, and it's almost like he's floating down the stairs. Totally. You know, that's not walking down the stairs no. pose. That is, I don't touch the ground anymore, Bruce. Yeah, man. <laughs> Let's have a talk. Yeah. Let me intimidate you with my floating. Uh, so this whole thing is about the classic DC superheroes are gods and you literally have Superman walking on water in that last panel. Brilliant. And that That's so brilliant because you also have the Batcave partially submerged. Totally. And you could tell that the Batcave went through some history. Some stuff went down. Who do you think is Bruce Wayne, man? Like Gregory Peck? Yeah, he looks like someone like that. It's like and... Gregory Peck from uh, when, when he reprised his uh, role in Cape Fear. Mm. Like that era with the white hair and the black eyebrows. I do like this idea of him in this like exoskeleton, Bruce Wayne in the exoskeleton, but it's hard for me not to think that Nightfall had some influence on this, yeah, this no, concept. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it did. He took it much further and is like, okay, Batman is a human being doing this hyperbolic stuff. What does that do? I saw I saw a photo of Tony Hawk with a fucking walking cane yeah. recently. So like, what's, what's going to happen to Bruce Wayne? Yeah, if you need further proof to, like, any ex-wrestler is another one that you can look into. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, we're celebrating, what is it, 25th anniversary of Hell in a Cell, and there's a great video of uh, Undertaker and Kane, no, Undertaker and Mick Foley going through the match that just came out. Check that out on YouTube after you watch all your cartoonist kayfabe, <laughs> right. of course. 
Uh, you see the spine of, of the, the Bruce Wayne gimmick right there, man, calling close attention. Uh, they're having a private conversation, but once Superman bounces, then the rest of the Dark Knight crew basically comes through, right? Like Oliver Queen, you know, except uh, does, does he have both arms? Oh, good question. Yeah, I don't see that cut off. Slight nod to uh, Dark Knight Returns there by having Ollie in the mixture. Little throwback to our Action Comics one and Detective Twenty Seven. Slip those in and Detective Twenty Seven right there with the uh, the Batman stuff. And a fun Wonder Woman. This would be another one of these pages. All those homages on there. Mm. Yeah, that'd be a sweet one. And our story now is basically the uh, the reformed Justice League going through and trying to convince the new heroes to do it their way, right? Or else what? What are you gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's like a moment. I don't think we're there yet. We'll get there. Where it's Superman doing a patent speech that ain't convincing to me. This guy right here doesn't it feel like uh, that Scott McCloud Zot uh, villain? You know, you see him on the covers where it's like an Art Deco church kind of guy it could be you know uh we were showing off like the extra stuff in in my copy and you can see like it starts at the white here and pretty much all of that a quarter of this book are character sketches yeah so figuring out those new characters i think a lot of work went into that i think ross kind of says you know it's about the most development work he's ever put into something now here's our boardroom with the baddies man yeah lex luther of course a little portly you know he doesn't have that gene hackman figure any longer uh, you have man that that is Mike Allred. That's gotta be. <laughs> I hope it is. I need you to like fast forward in your book and see <laughs> and see if Mike Allred's name is mentioned. He's not mentioned in the back of this thing, but but uh, it really feels like that. You got uh, Riddler out of costume. You got Selina Kyle, and you got some deep ones, man. Cobra, remember Cobra? Yeah, I'm glad they call out who these characters are because yeah. I would not have picked up. I don't know Cobra. And that's know. and that's Alex Ross and Mark Wade. My Cobra is. G.I. Joe. Andretti. No, it's, it's uh, Stallone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Mark Wade and Alex Ross impressing each other with their clever knowledge of the deep cut uh, DC universe. And this is where the commenters start their fingers and say, Cobra's not a deep cut. <laughs> of course. You're nearly Fred McMurray. Captain Marvel shows up as like the help. Red Velvet. I mean, he's got a uh, valet jacket on. Yeah, the big red cheese. In in acting, they they talk about there's the 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 the, the cigarette moment or something like that where or it's like give the character something to do while you're delivering your dialogue and we have that with uh with Lex Luthor here like quite literally pulls out the stogie, puts it in the mouth, blows some smoke out, you know, pointing it, chomping on it. It's it's there's a lot of business with that. That just uh in in real life, I mean, just pay attention when you're having conversations with your buds like you're not doing anything. You're not moving, and uh, this is a visual medium. You got to do something. You got to push it a little bit. So that's a clever way to get some movement in. Very cinematic, without the thing people usually think of when they hear cinematic. Mm. Now we got this like dive bar where we got all the all the kinky characters. I see a portly Lobo. Yeah, balding Lobo. Uh, I see probably a Solomon Grundy back there working the door. And then probably a bunch of these new kind of superheroes. <laughs> I see, I see a uh, plastic man and a full rubber Johnny kind of gimmick getting pulled every which way. Kind of disturbing. I think this is a shadow. 
Maybe it's Phantom Stranger. I oh, think that's yeah, probably closer. Be. And then look, man, I think we got maybe some Wonder Twins getting involved in some kinkiness. <laughs> Almost a Mohawk Storm, except for the ear. It's true. And uh, he's coming into... And there's some village people, actually, right there. <laughs> coming into the kinky dive bars with full of excess... That's what that's what this scene is communicating. We have we have our uh, what do you call it our Boy Scout going into the universe of debauchery, and he's telling everybody to clean up. By the way, he cut off his ponytail. Yeah, maybe this is where he's doing his his pitch, and you know Brian Azzarello and and crew are just like, get the fuck out of here, old man. How close is this to Bane? Yeah, it's really close considering I don't think that's supposed to be Bane. <laughs> but this is really village people it really is like dude it really is it's like there's a there's a, a native american yeah. there's your leather daddy guy a cowboy a construction worker it really is yeah that can't be an accident oh well, no no way no way that solomon grundy looking dude's huge yeah totally oh there's a mixoplick back there man he looks like a drinker too <laughs> he really does man all right, so we took care of that. We inspired the troops, man. We did our General Patton speech. And now it becomes this thing where they have to figure out where to warehouse the bad guys. That's right. For for a while. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a big chunk of the comic. Because, uh, you know, Superman's taking prisoners against Wonder Woman's wishes, and some people just don't want to fall in line. Yeah. When I look at this katana, whatever, I mean, that's Chun-Li from, from Street Fighter. The aquatic stuff is cool. The regal Aquaman. Like, doing everything they can to make him look not like a wussy douchebag. Mm. Keep, keep trying. <laughs> a real King Triton kind of feller. Notice uh, they've replaced his hook with a real hand. That was a bit that I guess Ross wasn't... Uh... We don't know that. It could be some metal gimmick under there. Yeah, I guess so. Metal seems like a bad choice for your underwater hero. Highly corrosive, certainly in the salt water. And Wonder Woman surprised the Superman here asking about the reason that she wanted to take a meeting with him is, can we build an underwater prison? Right. And he's like, you. it's actually a clever piece of uh, Mark Wade writing, yes. man, where he's like, you guys have chaos up there. The earth is 70% water. I command 70%. I watch over 70% of the earth. And we're doing just fine down here. Uh, so get your get your own house in order before you come calling me. Our Magog guy, we're getting, a, we're getting a good look at him to see what he's about. And uh, they, they, they create more character in Magog in a couple of pages than they've ever done with Cable. Shows up, they, they have their quibbles. Here's our uh, one Alex Ross comic that we looked at, that like Origins comic or, or whatever it was. Uh, do you remember what that thing was called? I don't remember. It, it was like a Kingdom Come series of issues that Alex Ross uh, did, did one, and it explores this this right. strip, this idea much more of how the Joker uh, brains Lois Lane. This uh, Magog killed Joker face is one of my favorite images in this book. It's a good one, but this one's great too. You know, it's very much in the. It's like the. Um, it's the man who laughed mixed with jack nicholson yeah nothing so like, wrong with that well what i'm saying is it's both references it's 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 the original like bill finger reference and then it's the stuff that alex ross likes it looks great 
it looks great. But this is the one I see. Everybody does some kind of Joker that looks really cool and menacing and, you know, some combination of adjust those levels of, you know, which Joker you want to work in there. This one to me feels like something else. Like yeah. I haven't seen that Joker before. And those eyes really sell it. The amount of red that's in those dead eyes. Totally. <laughs> something, something great about that against the white face. Yeah. And this is our flashback to when Superman leaves superheroing because Magog is acquitted of killing Joker. Right. And uh, it's just a different world for Superman. Yeah. And here we get the uh, back and forth between Magog and Superman. And Superman is like, you like doing this shit. You're happy that all this bad stuff happened. And we see that Magog is Luke Perry in Beverly Hills 90210. Yes, he's a bad boy, but he's a bad boy with a heart. And uh, bad boy with a bad hairline, by the way. No wonder he wears that damn headgear. Boy, it's so cable, though. You got to take the headgear off because we really want to make sure everybody knows yeah. what we're referencing here. <laughs> also, by the way, when he's in court, he's got these, like, like he gets to keep all of that stuff on <laughs> and just gets, like, superhuman handcuffs. But he gets to keep the big shoulder pad. How about that shit? No orange jumpsuit for Magog. <laughs> <laughs> And, dude, bend in the knee. This was a very strange sequence for me. Because I don't, I can't even tell, like, what happened here. Like, when you turn the page, it now goes we're on Apocalypse. And, yeah. that, and that's, the Apocalypse seemed very cool. Magog like, is done. I'm like, does he kill Magog here? Is that the implication? And it's not. We're going to see him sort of briefly, you know, later on. He'll be in part of the prison group. But it's just a weird, like... I don't know. I, I I was confused by this. I thought pages might have stuck together. Like, <laughs> I, I'm rubbing the pages. Yeah. Like, did I miss something? I think this is one for, for Wade and Ross just to just, like, indulge in who the real heroes are. Like, bend the knee, fucking 1990s extreme, to the classic, to the gods. It's pretty interesting as a scene, too, in that we've got Magog, who had done something went terribly wrong with the nuclear wipeout in Kansas. Yeah. He is there. They find him there cleaning up, uh -huh. trying to repair something that was massively destroyed. He's talking about the ghosts that are haunting him. And our heroes have him surrounded, beaten, you know, physically and mentally. It's a real reversal of like, what's the hero here? Like he did something bad, he made a bad mistake and he's trying to fix it. And here comes the gang of superheroes outnumbering him and outpowering him. A little storytelling beat, man. She puts her hand on him, but it's a little too hot. Like, look at all that sizzle underneath. She just cooked her godly hands a little touch. That's pretty good. It makes me wonder like, how do you write that? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so like I'm gonna fast forward to the back matter uh, just a touch here because you get, get a little bit in this book that shows the construction of this page and we can uh, indulge in that a bit. But yeah, Apocalypse. The thing I liked most about that Fantastic Four book that Alex Ross did that we looked at is that it required some imagination. It required some imaginative drawing and that's what we get to have here with things like this apocalypse stuff and this, this technology and uh the oddness of these characters you know this kind of imagery this is this is alex ross using imagination and not being able to rely on reference a bunch and he's a real good artist at that level like he could do that like he's very interested in going the other way but let's take a look at the construction of this page here so burn that into your mind and we'll fast forward to the back matter where we have the script which is pretty slight, you know, looking looking past Orion towards Superman, big panels, lots of uh, room to contrast between the bright, colorful, shining man of steel and the dismal uh, room around him. 
blah 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 here's here's our model who looks like straight out of a star wars cantina straight from tattooing it really shows what alex ross does from model to finished piece it does so here's his thumbnail rough which this is what separates the champs from the chumps just like in the uh brian bullen school of thumbnailing where for anybody else this is a finished page for anybody else this is a finished page this is a fine we're satisfied your readers are satisfied with that but then you take this you know this is a more titan piece probably blown up you know dude thumbnail rough three and one eighths inch by four and almost five inches yeah think think of an index card people at home yeah this drawing it's gets, incredible gets blown up to the final board i'm not seeing dimensions which would have been nice but then you trace that off and then it turns into this i really like this the, the a lot of the characters that he ages or does a second or third generation of, I'm a fan of how he does that. And having Orion basically become dark side, you know, like it's dark side until you see his face. And then it's kind of like the son of dark side. Yeah. Love this spread. Yeah. And it's not, it's not the Orion that like puts on the kayfabe face. Like he just stays in his ugly face. Yeah. It's good stuff. And man. It, it's very Kirby, you know, that's a Kirby I I image. Apocalypse looks great, whether it's the planet landscape or these background tunnels and stuff that are just gray and devoid of life. Steeped in Geiger. Mm-hmm. You know, very, Yeah, very a lot of alien. feels like alien art, the, the backgrounds there. You get your big Barda. You get your uh, Miracle, your Mr. Miracle. And then we get that next generation, right? The, the combo of Barda and uh, Mr. Miracle, essentially. Right. So now we're building our uh, prison in the fields of Kansas. Like, I honestly, I felt like you could have predicted that that's where it would be. Like, we're selling this wasteland, so put the bad guys in the wasteland. I might even, um, this becomes less interesting to me, this building of the prison, the setup of the prison, the eventual showdown with the prisoners. There's another way to... There... It, it reminds me of, like, the stuff in Watchmen of, like, we're going to build this giant octopus, and you need it, but let's not dwell on it. Right. I'm just not that interested in this part. Oh, dude, we have a heel turn, man. Bruce Wayne is working with Lex Luthor and those other guys, man. That's the end of chapter two. You're going to have to buy chapter three, man, right? <laughs> like, you, you got to see what Bruce Wayne is doing with those guys. Dude, this, like, Blue Beetle. Very cool design. It's like the Lord of Light Kirby shit. It is. You know, the movie stuff. It's the kind of thing that, like, no jobber is going to be able to do justice to this. Like, that can't be the regular design. Right. It only works if you've got an Alex Ross or a Jack Kirby could probably pull that off very well. Yeah, there's a handful of these designs, although that's very 90s-esque, too. Those characters that are just so complexly designed, like, doesn't work well as a cartoon character, but looks pretty cool on the cover. Here's your prison. It shows that to be one of the splashes. Yeah, it... It doesn't land with me. I don't. I don't know. I don't feel. I don't feel much whenever I read this sequence. Yeah. You know, it'd be one thing if they were oppressed in some way or something, but it just doesn't communicate much to me except the idea of like these guys don't want to fall in line, and I don't know. I, that doesn't seem that bad. Got your little net above them. Yeah, dude, they're living in paradise. Interesting that Scott Free, Mister Miracle, is the guy tasked with like design a prison that these super villains can't super characters can't escape from that's kevin mitnick baby once i do got out of prison like he started working for the federales and shit like well this is what i would do in this situation talks to companies and stuff well if you want to really like batten down the hatches you do it this way like it makes perfect it's great right oh yeah here's a, here's another patent speech with uh S superman giving everybody a stern talking to which which also kind of like leans in the direction of like 
this is your daddy's comics. Like, Superman is your daddy's superhero. He's not doing much uh, in these couple of pages to sell us kids. You know, like little 15-year-old Ed or whatever who's reading this. Not doing much to sell me on it. That's the thing. If you wanted this to mean something, you could really create that divide. You know, you could give us a point of view of like, what are we doing here? We're prisoners. This is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Right. Like, like you know, you could be on these prisoner side pretty quickly if, if you wanted to paint them as more fully realized characters. And I get why they don't. I understand the focus here is on Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. But at the same time, like from a story standpoint, these end up being nothings. And maybe that's what you want out of 90 superheroes, if that's the statement you're making. But as a reading experience, this part fell a little bit short for me. This is a piece that I was wondering about, the division of labor and things. Because, uh, like, it looks like maybe a computer-colored thing. So who does that? It feels congruent with the artwork. Like, it feels like the same kind of hues and stuff. Uh, does What did Todd Klein do? Did he do it on a piece of paper and then give it to somebody in-house? Like, like, what happens there with that little piece of lettering? I'm very curious about yeah, I wonder if this is all lettered digitally or on yeah, overlays so. and then he puts it together. Yeah, take a look at like these E's. Those, those are computer lettered E's. You know, he's he's at that phase of his career now where he put together his own fonts and things. But it's all his own typeset. Yeah. You know, he created that stuff. Gives fonts to everybody, you know, like Spectre has his his voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this this dead man, like probably the easiest reference for uh, Alex Ross to get his hands on because it really is just like that Mr. Boney skeleton that that artists have as reference and yeah, it works well in his style for sure ambitious povs man because like he will not shy away from doing these like worms i've used looking up at a face and that is hard to draw that is so hard to get the eyes to sink into the skull correctly and you have to abuse like so much of what you know about drawing the face because you have to push the eyes up higher and looking at the underpart of the nose gets weird. Like, it, th this is a very tough batch of drawings to do. He certainly had reference to, to start, but I'm still giving him mad props on that. 100% because you need it with the earth is what they're, like, overlooking. Yeah. And I don't know what how you could do it without this angle, but yeah. you're right. Not an easy one to draw. And And from the looks of it, you know, the vanishing point is about here. All of these faces are in very accurate perspective, so he had to get five guys to stand around to like shoot that he had to he had to he had to redo the straight out of compton album cover with his friends to uh to paint this thing man and i bet it sucked like in pre-digital photography era like he must have taken a hundred of those to try to f and then probably piece them together yeah you know like the accuracy of that perspective is probably slightly off where like this is probably one photo and then maybe like these two from another right. photo All right yeah, Dead Man's great, though. Definitely fits in this style very, very well. Even the glow off his skull, it, it works perfect. Bust not that airbrush, baby. They Which were laughing about um, the, the line of, uh, you know, he likes to travel. Dead Man, like, what's he doing in this afterlife? It's weird whenever there's a mask on Superman or on Wonder Woman, because I think she has a helmet when they go to Atlantis, they but do, then yeah. he doesn't have anything. But then here they are, and she has a helmet, and he has some kind of a face mask i guess because sound wouldn't travel otherwise in right. a vacuum but yeah they're fooling around breaking up asteroids i guess that's a fun use of superhero time billy batson tragic figure he's he's very close to johnny bates kid miracle man 
in in uh, the treatment of the Captain uh, Marvel character in, in Kingdom Come. That makes sense. I don't think you can be a superhero fan at this stage and not be familiar with those stories, you know, and, and it'd be hard to do a story like this too and not take that into account and reference it. Such an influence on kind of the idea of superheroes. And the, the thing with the Johnny Bates thing too is, uh, is when he becomes the businessman, when you first see him, he, he basically stays in Kid Marvel Man or Kid Miracle Man attire he never becomes like the little boy again and that's that's kind of what we have here you know this is the same billy batson grown up like it's it's a sedate captain marvel and you have reference with those worms all the way back to early captain marvel golden age tales oh yeah man like that like the uh, monster society of evil mr worm or whatever his name is like he's the main bad guy there's that heartbreaking stuff man like like batman in league with with lex luther but you know Batman. You know he is a cunning character, and uh, that that there is there is a plan at play, for sure. You just kind of want to know what it is. But what we're looking at here is rushed into production, is far more Bat Sentinels than uh, Bruce Wayne signed off on. Love the War Room kind of stuff. Yeah, full Doctor Strange love. It'll always be Doctor Strange love to me. Yeah. And you know you can kind of see Bruce Wayne's uh, that this this what he's playing at because he's always grinning throughout these right. this team up. Such a heel, such an embrace of that role. There's that great origins or secret origins issue, and it's Kevin Nolan doing finishes, but it's Robin and Superman teaming up, and it's like Robin's first encounter, and Batman, you know, is just like he's not he's he's an alien. You can't trust him, right? You know, like post Dark Knight. And I, I don't know if it was that way before, but post-Dark Knight, it is like that Batman-Superman relationship is kind of an amazing dynamic. I, I, I think about it more and more, and, and maybe it's a thing where, because like, I, I reread comics. Everybody rereads their favorite comics. Uh, it's been five years since we did Dark Knight, and we never did a top-down view like this. So I think that that should be coming, like a, another revisit. And uh, I keep thinking about, like, Frank Miller thought of a good way to have Batman win in a fight against Superman. It's a question that little kids have asked for 50 years and everybody would say Superman because he's he's the god like he could just fucking heat vision this dude but Batman is a deceptive deceitful little asshole and yeah. he's smart as hell. For years working on how he's gonna f defeat Superman um, this is amazing to me. First of all I was like wait who is this? You know, is this uh, Hellblazer? Like, what's going on here? Because doesn't it look like a Tim Bradstreet cover? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> but then we get this moment of, you know, Norman McKay and Spectre are watching this scene unfold, and they lift it up. Yeah. They lift up like a sheet of reality to see underneath it. That's a cool comics trick. Yeah. And he's a real sad sack, that John Johns. Yeah. Is this a Cyberforce crossover? Yeah. <laughs> This is a pretty fucking cool, cool sequence uh, in in the visual storytelling. It made me laugh a bit when Norman McKay's talking about how Flash can operate in different sort of timelines. You know that string theory, Stephen Hawking's type shit, and Flash pulls McKay out of you know this the spectral purgatory universe, pulls him up to. Like the JLA satellite, the Green, the Green Lantern house. Uh, Power Woman's about to, like this is a Russ Meyer fantasy come true, <laughs> right here. Very much so. And uh, you have 
the super Fleischer-like Superman standing over him, like, well, you know, where, where, where are you from? Why are you here? And then the pregnant pause moment where it's even more like, like if this wasn't enough for you, well, how about all of this? And giving him that moment and they're just like standing there interrogators, you know, that's the move, right? Like you, you ask a question, then you shut up and you make the person uncomfortable until uh, they inevitably answer. Yeah, and you do it from a low point of view where clearly all these titans are towering over him. Yeah, so good. Yeah, that's a neat piece too. That's one of those kind of like comic, f fun comic kind of tricks, you know, bringing him into this reality. Pretty pretty good. Pretty. I enjoyed that moment. Like reading this, it's something I didn't remember from the past yeah, read. Yeah. And, I, and I was genuinely delighted by that. They get him in and out really quickly though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much, how much does his quote unquote warning like impact you don't, things that happened. Did you don't feel any of anybody? it. I, yeah, I don't think so either. And that's kind of strange to have a moment like that. There's there's a lot. There's a lot that you have this immense talent of Alex Ross, and you want to tell like a big epic story. It, this doesn't exactly land, but there's enough pieces here that that like with just like a couple more drafts, like some, some more serious thought, you could have arranged things in a way to really make the real masterpiece. Now the people at home who are about to like get those keyboard fingers going like they're like this is a like look at it look at it and can't argue it looks great yes but as a storytelling experience we're talking something completely different here and there's so many plates that you're that you're spinning in a weird way none of these people are equipped for it because this is not what comics are doing yeah you know this is berserkly ambitious compared to what dc or marvel are publishing at the time i love this piece of dialogue where he says, I don't know, why did you undermine my authority? This is before authority is created as a comic book, but at the same time, this is kind of what authority is as a comic. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if that's just a bunch of stuff aligning happily, but it's hard to believe that there aren't, you're not pulling germs of ideas out of something like this. The idea of the superheroes above the earth kind of running it. I mean, that's exactly what authority is, right? Yeah. Even uh, Wonder Woman says, I saw a crisis. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. That's that's the Mark Wade, uh Alex Ross sixty nine and dicks with each other kind of stuff. <laughs> Speaking about sixty nine and dicks, look at this like uh Lex Luthor rubbing on Captain Marvel's erogenous zones and shit. <laughs> Dude Batman kinda rules, man. Just, just just like a salty old dog. Yeah. It really is Gregory Peck, man, from Cape, from the late period Cape Fear, the yeah. Scorsese Cape Fear. He was in some movies in the 90s. Yeah, the black eyebrows and white hair works really well. But Batman is, is uh, doing his face turn. Is it too reserved? You know, it's almost out of nowhere. You turn that page and he punches Billy Batson, and it's kind of like... I don't know, like, what are the stakes at this point? You know, yeah. it kind of happens, and, and you get it. It happens quickly. Everybody kind of plays their role there. But I, as a reader, like, I'm going, what's the magnitude here? Sure. But it's our MacGuffin to get uh, Billy Batson to Shazam out. Yeah. Suiting up, gearing for war, dude. Uh, oh, cannot forget Wonder Woman, Amazonian goddess. So she's ready. She's, she's playing for keeps. This is great. Yeah. Superman touches the sword and, and he bleeds. And, uh, you know, she's like, you can, you can carve electrons off an atom. Wonder Woman's a badass in this story. Totally. And, and to see her armored up and like those armored wings and stuff, it's like, oh man. She's playing for keeps, man. She is going to show us what, what an she, Amazon can do. And, and, you know, she's Athena now. 
She's the goddess of war. She's going hard. Uh, but Superman's still insistent on uh, the Boy Scout rule. And I think that that's a part of the, the contrivance of uh, Ross and Wade is like, you have to keep those core values with Superman. And, and I, I think this is their attempt to make that work in a more chaotic, cynical world. Yeah, great two-panel sequence of like, then it's war. And he's like, you can't have a war without people dying. And she just looks at him like... And then what? The sky's blue, motherfucker. Before? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Lone Superman. You know, you know this, this, this is the piece that's like on the uh, the opening imagery right here. Maybe, oh yeah, maybe this is. is life size. You know, like the size of the original, maybe. If that's the case, that, these paintings are super gigantic. But, Makes uh, me wonder about a uh, an artist edition of this stuff. Yeah, dude, let's do it. I wonder. I, you never see those on the market. Maybe yeah. he held on to them all. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they reached the market. You know, I think he's selling those with agents behind the scenes, probably uh, before any of the rest of us figured that part out. Right. Uh, but man, an artist edition of this stuff you'd think would sell like hotcakes. Oh, absolutely. So now that we have the face turn with bruce wayne and he's a good guy again uh we got to get superman and batman together this is the money <laughs> look at little norman mckay just popping his head up <laughs> yeah it's just a, hanging out it's a like see uh, like alex ross jerks off a lot you know and this is him <laughs> painting his dad these are my three heroes Superman, Batman, and my father. Like it, that's that's what we're getting here from him. You know, he can't he can't help himself. Hey, one of the King K favors wrote in the prison is the Legion of Doom from Super Friends. Ah, uh, yeah. So again, with the Easter egg stuff, it's not something I would have picked up on, but it kind of makes sense. Like you're tying all this stuff together. Yeah. See, this is very much Continuity Studios looking kind of imagery right here. That kind of view. That's what Neil Adams brought to comics in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. The marking on that guy's kind of different too. You know, it's very metallic, like putting a black line on it. Totally. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's that collaboration between New Adams and Mike Hinge from uh, from Heavy Metal. Oh, I wish. Hey, by the way, so read this at home, guys. Pause it. Read all the dialogue. See how long it takes. Because the page before Superman's like, I've got a half second lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're now four and a half seconds behind, and that's if you're speaking quickly. <laughs> Maybe maybe thirty seconds behind right there. This is pretty cool though, showing the advance and and the, uh, you know how do you do that? How do you blur it? Really good. And we often talk about this stuff whenever you're doing movement. Like I need to see the character progressing. He's got the progression. He's got the almost fading to the speed of light. Yeah, well done. And then gets knocked off his axis by familiar uh, airbrushed set of colors of red and yellow and then you get uh you know i'm thinking well i just don't know i don't remember but like this feels like it should be on a page turn doesn't it like it should be a you flip the page yeah you'd think so boy is that a money shot that white for the top of the lightning bolt it glows off of that page it really does it really does so solid and ross did a good job of making this captain marvel feel bigger than superman he did, and you know, I got no arguments with Mark Wade here either, where Armageddon has arrived. That is, that's Jim Ross calling out a match at the height of his career. Totally. With a smile on the face, like in the way that we see Captain Marvel doing that C.C. Beck shit. So here it is, you, may, you save, you have those like super congested covers, 
now there's a lone figure. That means something. This is one of those fun pieces, man, where you got the superheroes engaged and you kind of like mm -hmm. do that kind of gimmick. Yeah, that's a really great effect. I like that a lot. And uh, as we get... See, this is one of those too. Like, I could look at that image the size of a wall. Sure. You know, there's so much going on there. The stuff that Alex Ross brings to a project like this, it's just phenomenal. You need your super, like when you see your big giant characters, like pay attention because in a couple of pages, you're going to be see a rib cage that is 10 times the size of a normal human being. All right. So Todd Klein, let's give him a chance to shine right here. If you were to take this page and remove all the artwork, this is what you would have. Word balloons here, word balloons. You would read without any confusion whatsoever. And it's important because these are crossing pages, right? You know, and that's not any, people mess that up all the time. Oh yeah. And the letter is somebody that can really save that. There's yeah. no confusion at all what order you're reading these word balloons in. Good call. Because on some of the more congested pages like that you called out as like as like a 90s image, it doesn't work that, right. that way. Like there there are fucked up pages here that I, that Todd Klein didn't have a chance to save. <laughs> Maybe didn't want to. If yeah. they're really doing it, leaning into that 90s thing, and it, it's scary to do that, to do wrong pages because you're trying to sell something. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I commend them if that's the case. And I just don't see that in uh, Mark Wade's repertoire, but, uh, you know, we'll leave that up in the air. More of those, like, worms I've used, dude. Super freaking hard to draw. Super hard to conceptualize. I do want to see the... Uh, the reference photo of that because you have two big butch guys dancing <laughs> and, that is and Hulk Alex Hogan Ross and Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6 yeah. testing their strength yeah but uh, he Alex Ross learned from uh, from that match so that uh, he set the camera in a better angle <laughs> little little Blackhawks reference absolutely man gotta, gotta like that yeah it's gonna be a big piece and this guy see it comes much later like 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 George W Bush comes later but that looks just like Ari Fleischer his like uh, secretary uh, his press secretary guy it looks exactly like him man and then and then it's like is that Alex Ross himself but I think he had longer hair and stuff back then this is like what Alex Ross looks like now those big money pages baby and he's got names for all these characters. You know, these are all somebody. And he and he has lineages. I like I I I think he might be a religious fella, you know, like he's he's builds in a lot of like uh Christian mythology and stuff into into both Marvels and and uh and uh Kingdom Come. But uh with the sons and daughters there's a lot of like Joker begat Joker and Catwoman begat so and so type type stuff when you get into the lineages that he builds with these characters. Yeah, and that Cyberforce joke I made, that is a uh, Black Canary, you know, a future Black Canary. I see. Boy, that Blue Beetle still looks great. Though. He does with the, with the mask pulled down. So this is a big character. Um, I forget their name now, but we never see the build on it. No. Because that's what's, what precipitates all of this is the idea of like putting him in that prison. You're just going too far. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know who that character is or why that yeah. means anything other than the context of the story makes you realize it means something, but um, that's one that the guy gets shortchanged in, in, in a way that shortchanges the narrative impact to me. Look at this cyborg Robin. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty upsetting too, which it should be. Robin is just a, a twisted character. Yeah, I mean, I guess story-wise, the prison broke. Like Shazam, Captain Marvel, 
he opened up the floodgates and that's what we're dealing with the schmas between the goodies and the prisoners who were being held in gitmo and it's a it's a free-for-all to the point where the feds are like let's just drop a bomb on them gotta crack a few eggs to make an omelet so what if this if the good guys are there send three black hawk planes out to uh take care of things and this is where you get your big climactic moment because they're going to be dropping nukes yeah exactly i think you may have skipped a page it's not it's not that important it's just this battle yeah but they're cross-cutting between those but yeah exactly what you said the nukes are coming and it's just chaos it doesn't look like anything's coming out of this like right. they're figuring out any solution yeah and i didn't realize that like all, sh all captain marvel has to do is say shazam and lightning bolts happen shazam that's very childish <laughs> kind of makes sense yeah. little kid character you're in a lot of trouble with at this stage of the superhero genre of childish is a problem <laughs> i know right <laughs> this image is from something do you recognize that as an homage to something like i i, I have seen that image of like superman because not I, necessarily superman but cause, because cause, in general because that's the otomo view that's that's the old man in domu like when he's like leaning down yeah, I don't know if that's what I'm seeing there or not, but and it's I'm sure definitely it's something that I feel like I've seen a hundred times. Yeah. We always remark on it whenever somebody does a good view like that, because that's another super, super hard angle to draw. This is a pretty bold composition and only having one eye. I think that's an unusual choice, and I think it works, but it's pretty unusual. Yeah. Uh, we ha Superman has to convince our guy, man. Like, listen, it's, it's all over, dude. It's all over. He's trying to speak some sense into him. There's a bomb that's about to drop, fella. And uh, there will be nothing if if you don't if we don't take care of that. The Spectre finally becomes uh, less of a, a watcher, the Watcher, and a little bit more active, and is putting it all on Norman McKay's shoulders. Like, you tell me what to do. Like, I showed you all this stuff. You tell me what to do, and I'll I'll judge accordingly. But then that goes nowhere either. Sometimes it's hard to land these big ideas, Ed. It's true. Yeah, and that is the thing. They have to work within parameters. You know, they have to work with a bu the budget that DC's laying out. And DC's like, we could pay you guys for, you know, 448 pages or 464 pages, whatever it turns out to be. Uh, and they have so many ideas. They got to get them all in one shot. It's not like there's going to be another bite of this apple. Pretty strange that, like, we're going to leave this up to the guy who's had worms in his brain for the last 20 years. <laughs> Not sure some of those worms didn't get into Superman's head while uh, he was getting hit with lightning. His ears were bleeding. By the way, like, let's do the concussion protocol on Superman before we decide the, uh, that he gets to make this decision. Straight up. <laughs> Great physics on grabbing Superman by the cape and throwing him the opposite direction. Totally. I completely believe the physics of that sequence. Mushroom cloud as your big moment. You see a lot of um, technique in that page brush strokes very clear evident i bet you he drew this i bet you he painted this piece much smaller than a lot of those other pages because you could see so much technique in here you could see you could see the pigments in his paint and in, in ways that you can't anywhere else it wouldn't surprise me if he painted it multiple times it wouldn't surprise me if he painted a, a different version as like the big finish piece and then went you know what i like this one better mm -hmm. and picked a different size it's hard to tell. I do think that this is much smaller. It's a hard thing to, uh, you know, that's an atypical page compared to the rest of this book, too. Yeah. So, probably not one he has a lot of reps on. So, the uh, the bomb burst, man. And the bomb burst in, I believe, a very Enola Gay 
fat man little boy kind of way. Uh, so, so we're saying that the bomb did what it's supposed to do? Looks like it to me. Okay. I don't understand the choice whenever they're like, is it the humans or the superhumans? Yeah. Like, I don't get that, because it seems like wherever that bomb's going off, this is what you're getting. Right. And it's in the middle of a wasteland at this point anyway, so what humans are the ones that got zapped with, uh, you know, Captain Adam in the beginning? You know what it is, man? It's the... Uh it's a conversation uh, from clerks about killing, destroying the second Death Star when there's janitors and uh, right. people working the deli counter and things at the at the at the prison. Uh, so they didn't want any part of this, and they just got liquefied. But as an image, that's fantastic, dude. Because you have these other real skeletons. You have these these uh, skeletons that have these like armors and stuff. You got dudes turning to rock. That's that's really sweet. It's a bizarre ending too, where he's like, you know, Superman feels completely alone. He need not. There were survivors. Yeah, right. Few, there are fewer in number, and the pain is great, but the war is over. Like, what are we talking about here? It's like. So you're suggesting Superman shouldn't have any reaction, Spectre? <laughs> he should be cool. We only killed like ninety percent of your buddies. <laughs> right. And what does that even mean? And the rest of them are barefoot Yen people, man. Like, you know, they're they ain't gonna live much longer, really. But this is a uh, Superman going buck wild. You could have sold this better too, because the fear is here comes Superman for whatever pounds of flesh that he wants to collect. These guys should be running away, right. not towards the building. It should be like, there's a Superman on the warpath. I'm gonna get on the other side of the planet as <laughs> right. fast as I can. <laughs> you know, like you get it here. But Jimmy, the soldiers are trained to go into harm's way. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do against Superman. And he's really not doing much. He's kind of just kind of holding steady. I'm also curious about Batman surviving this incident. I know, right? Like, he's in the sky. Like, he's closer to the bomb than ground. He is the ground zero of that bomb explosion. Right. But you can't kill Batman. Of course not. And the uh, there, there had to be some point to our preacher character. So he's going to convince uh, Superman to uh, stay a Boy Scout. Real ominous looking. You, when you get that uplighting, you're able to uh, create that menace. <laughs> There's our wispy haired mega. Uh, Bret Hart's been doing publicity a lot lately. His, his hair don't, don't look far different than that, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I think he could also have, uh, Bill Murray could play him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> movie. yeah, totally. <laughs> Imagine Bill Murray with that CGI body on there. <laughs> Look at the support system Batman needs to just function as a superhero, dude. Yeah, he's about one one or two sequels from just a head in a jar on top of that body armor. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna we're gonna get hyperbolic with where uh, Captain Marvel he he sacrificed himself. So in the League of Nations, United Nations, he's gonna get a flag. I, I just tell me what the alternative was. Right. How could Captain Marvel have done anything but die? Yeah. It was either the bomb's going to go off and everybody at Ground Zero dies, or you're going to detonate it in the air and mostly everybody's going to die. Right? right. Those are the two options. It's a pretty peculiar ending. Sure. Now Batman is is a white knight. You know he's got some white sentinels to to offer triage to people and using the old uh, Wayne Manor as kind of a ground zero FEMA camp. Also the old man uh, waistline. Gotta love that. Sure, the, the paunch. You know, big he's big well. stocky guy. 
Those jeans are hiked up there. And, and are, we, are we still putting Luther to work after all of his transgressions? And are we back to the, like, let's keep these prisoners against their will <laughs> doing what we want them to do? <laughs> this is a labor camp. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, dude. Going full FEMA with it. The goddess Athena is reinstated in her role in, uh, is it the Amazonia or something? Like what Wonder Woman land? You get through dialogue that she was ousted from the community and she gets to go back. Are we at all surprised that one of our survivors in this new paradise is Swastika Man? <laughs> Setting up a very goth memorial at the wasteland for all the fallen. And you could tell that uh, you could tell that Alex Ross is way more into like Mike Sikowski comics than Scott Williams, <laughs> Jim Lee comics, just by that chest hair alone. Inspector takes off his hood, and it's Rorschach. <laughs> I know, right? It's a. Uh, it looks like Jason Blood, but uh, I think the name of Spectre is uh, Jimmy Corrigan. I think that's his name, like in the comics. It is Corrigan. Is it Jimmy? I think it's James Corrigan. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Put Chris Ware in this comic. He was a Chicago guy. You, th you think? Uh, you think Chris was kicking it with Alex Ross? Terry Laban is the uh, is the connective tissue. You know, he's got a call out in the back of this thing, man, and he was connected. He was doing those like little zines and stuff. Those little Tijuana Bibles with Klaus and uh, Chris Ware that you see in like the Art of Klaus and things. So Jimmy Corrigan, he's back to, to being the smartest man on earth. And he's a Christian man, holy man. He's going to church. And look at that, man. The congregation is more. So it all works out for everybody. But I will say that goddamn uh, Norman McKay, full Cardinal Sanders kind of garb. I do like the, uh, and that hope is brightest when it dawns from fear. <laughs> yeah, man, you're from your mouth to media's ears. <laughs> yeah, totally right. If it bleeds, it leads. One year later, we're going back to the, uh, we're going back to the, uh, the restaurant, man. Rob Liefeld, Captain America. <laughs> but that's a, that's a dad bod, you know, <laughs> like that's a full dad bod. I mean, this is Dean Kane. From, uh, probably Lois and Clark was probably on right there. I think this guy is one of those dudes from Law and Order. And I think that's Archie Goodwin right here. I think we're getting some stuff in. What's real? I love Archie Goodwin appearances. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is such a comic character visually. Totally. This is what Martian Manhunter looked like in the old comics. You know, just a straight up regular bald guy. Like if you've seen it in black and white, it wouldn't look like anything. He didn't have that firm brow. That's fantastic. That's Yvonne Craig as Batgirl from the 60s show, for sure. Yeah, well done. Oh, maybe that's uh, that, that's about what uh, Alex Ross looked like with his ha receding hairline, but still keeping that long hair back in those, those tumultuous 1990s. See, I think this is Bruce Tim, this guy right here. From the old photos and stuff I saw, he had that kind of hair and things. That looks right. Even a little bit of rosy cheeks there. I feel like the caricatures and self-portraits I've seen of him have that quality. I wonder if that's like a Dave Gibbons. We're getting we're getting stuff in here now, man. We're we're definitely getting some things in here. The Shazam glass is the one that you see at all the flea markets. I have one of those. The Shazam. I should have brought it for a prop. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> What were the other heroes like this? Uh, Wonder Woman and, yeah, and Superman. Yeah, Flash. Yeah, yeah, like those ones go quick, but uh, you'll you'll see Shazam at Rossi's flea market all the time. It's so weird to see Alex Ross doing these kinds of pages, right? 
I kind of love it, but also it just feels like such a departure. Yeah, but this is also his jerk off, you know, because like he'll get to draw all the stuff he didn't get to draw. So that's probably like the Mego Batman toy car. Uh, he's putting in more of his friends like i'm sure this is somebody he knows like that's the thing it's very very self-indulgent uh kind of comic maker you know king tut from the uh, batman adam west tv show like very very self-indulgent creator uh very fan deeply fanboyish so this is his uh you know swan song moment and it's all about answering that mall rats question of, of you know Wonder Woman's fallopian tubes are the only ones strong enough to hold Superman's baby. And probably the greatest characterization of old man Bruce Wayne is the well-done steak he orders. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well done. You just read that uh, Bourdain book. Yes. You know, you save the worst cuts of meat for those uh, old senior, <laughs> senior citizens right. who uh, are going to order well done. Yeah, it's hard for me to reconcile Bruce Wayne ordering that way, but I guess that's the emphasis on the old old man Bruce Wayne. That's that's Trump shit, you know. Like, isn't he like the steak and ketchup guy? I don't know. Maybe. I think so. I think it was a big deal whenever uh, they were showing that stuff off. Like this guy right here. That's somebody, right? Like, that's too good a face to be a kayfabe face. Boom. So every volume of this, this this is probably the first hardcover to come out. And you get a little back matter. You get a little clue into who all the characters are. Yep, that stuff's consistent in my edition. I don't know if you want to flip through any I of do, the... Uh... I do, I uh, do. This is the bulk of the promo materials in 1996. So there's not too much. You know, it's a very slight amount. This is going to be your cover. We did Nightfall recently, and it was like, you know, one good thing that DC got, got right on Nightfall. Um, one good thing that DC got right is in there keeping these books in print. Totally. You know, this this edition that I have, I was like, oh, it's probably 20th anniversary. No, that had come like a couple years before this. It's just keeping, these are perennials. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that DC's really gotten right over the years. And, you know, despite Alan Moore's objections, uh, it really is like, this is a book that you can sell to generation after generation so why make it hard for them to find it yeah and this is probably the easiest one to find you got this recently yeah recently yeah uh so here's all your uh easter egg moments probably and then uh because it's been 20 yeah i was gonna say years, look at the amount of promo art that has been produced since then so many things you know like i say that's what happens if it's perennial is you keep promoting it you got a new printing you got a new hardcover you have the absolute edition the 20th anniversary edition you promo all that stuff still the same page like that's that's interesting like 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 uh, let's see another one how about that some more thumbs his layouts are so good and uh, look at it it's all on one piece of paper yeah so when they show off this like three and a quarter inch thumbnail here like that's one of like 12 nine nine on a page you hit the exact proportion so that like you get it right at this stage and you can blow it up and, and pretty much tra trace it off. Like one of the things you don't really notice in any of this is pencil marks, you know, cause like he, he gives himself pretty slight line. What do you think this shit is, man? That back, like reading order shit? This is stuff like other appearances of these characters. Oh, I see. Uh, it probably has that one that, you, that we looked at that we were trying to remember like what it was called. It's I'm sure it's listed in there. Yeah, I'm sure because they've spun this off in so many different directions and you know again why not it all goes back to like you keep selling a version of kingdom come they're all profit you that know this might... book's in the black for the last 20 you know whenever it came out 
10 minutes later, it goes into the black. So just keep selling them. Here's your so-and-so beget so-and-so type shit. Yeah. So much planning. You get to see some of the uh, references and just... We're going to go through We recognize scripts. this fellow's face. You know, like, that. I mean, that's that's the Thor face. That's Captain... And these are, like, from initial drafts. And then, like, each version just gets built out thicker and thicker and thicker. Outline, then outline of an issue. Then I think it's the third draft of the issue is what's, cool. uh, what's put in here. Yeah, third draft of the script. So you really see it build. Yeah, they did their thing, you know. And it is a perennial... Uh, if you read Twilight of the Gods, you realize like there is there is a better way, there is a more compelling way. But this love the one you're with, not the one you want, or however that goes. Yeah, at some point pretty early on, I think Twilight of the Gods was no longer going to be <laughs> on the table for Alan Moore. Yeah. So, yeah, the uh, the future makes sense though. Anything post Dark Dark Knight, and I mean even DC's always kind of told those future stories. It's true. So it makes sense in a way that I don't know that you do this as easily with a Marvel property. You can tell that this is still pretty old because they still have to put that goofy label on it because the Wednesday Warrior gives a shit about continuity and things. Yeah, I wonder when that just disappears when they recognize this doesn't actually probably when this they doesn't just, sell an extra copy probably when they put it number one on the cover every two years or something they're like you know what it's all elseworlds anything that that doesn't have this dc logo is fucking elseworlds man for the past 30 years <laughs> i remember when this logo came out and there was such a backlash like morton glazer fucking, fucking made this logo you want to do better than that so that's about all I have to say on Kingdom Come. Yeah, it's, a, sure. it's, it's an achievement, no doubt about it. It's interesting the uh, wh where you can push comics. You know, like like this is something that completely invented by Alex Ross. Even totally. though these are characters that have been around forever, you don't you can't do this without his style there. No, it's true. And and you know, in both cases, Marvels with Kurt Busiek, Kingdom Kingdom Come with Mark Wade, you have an in kind fanboy writer. Uh, who's a part of it. Kurt Busiek brings a lot of chops to the game and can structure a story like nobody's business, but he is a scholar of Silver Age Marvel comics in the same way that Mark Wade is a scholar. Like, we looked at a, some wizard, and he was talking about he knows, like, the secretary's name of so-and-so bad guy or something. Like, he's deep in uh, this DC shit. So, like, you know, like, if, but this is fanboy comics. This is fanboy comics at the highest level. It is. And from the standpoint of a creator, you know, tying it into wrestling, this is Alex Ross can do this stuff that nobody else can do. Right. He can take these characters and he can make them into gods. Yeah. Now you got to find a vehicle for that, because otherwise you might just be a cover artist. We've seen a lot of great painters that come through comics and they're cover artists. They never invest in themselves enough to figure out what's the vehicle to really get me over. Yeah. Ross does it twice. Yeah. You know, with Marvels and Kingdom Come, like he basically shows up and goes, I'll be the painter in comics. <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of this is driven by his creative. So yeah. it is a guy taking control of his own destiny and really taking advantage of what his skill set is. Yeah, man. Super good. You good? Yep. Okay, favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July is last Saturday in July. We're urging you to go to your free little lending libraries in your neighborhood and put in your comic book doubles, put in your, put in your comp copies uh, as a creator 
and fill those things to the brim like we need to generate more comic readers out there in the future we're doing everything we can we're taking action we're not sitting here crying and complaining that there ain't enough people reading comics do something about it go give some comics away uh, and participate in cartoonist kayfabe comic book christmas in july the last saturday in july the patreon for cartoonist kayfabe is available to you at the link in the description below this video and that is a place uh, where you're going to be able to mitigate the kayfabe effect get all of our videos well ahead of time before anybody else gets them and uh, join us uh, in the live stream chat room while we record this stuff we got some great feedback from the chat room to uh, to help this conversation about kingdom come move forward uh, always uh, always uh, invite new king kayfabers to support the the uh, comics that way the uh, videos that way but the vids are brought to you by the books that we make Jimmy tell the people what you got my latest comic is true crime funnies you can join me on my patreon patreon.com slash Jim rug they read it first they got the download first but you can pick it up on my website as a digital download along with about a dozen other comics of mine you can also check out some of the stores that have started buying it street angel princess of poverty is my next book it'll be out later this year from image comics and it collects all the street angel comics that are not in street angel deadliest girl alive we just put out a new edition of that through image comics you should be able to get wherever you buy comics you can also pick up plain janes and hulk grand design Where's Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus coming to you. 504 pages, 140 pages of additional material that uh, is not in those original four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree. It's the 10th anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. It is the 50th anniversary of hip hop culture. Uh, support this book. Order it early so that you can secure your copy. We just had to send these things off to print. So uh, there's going to be a finite amount of them once this hits, sees the light of day. And uh, thousands of people have already uh, put in their orders. For this comic so snooze you lose man x-men grand design trilogy trade paperback is coming to you from marvel this holiday season both of these books available to you this holiday season uh eddie p is santa claus this year it's going to con contain all three volumes of my x-men grand design comic uh scoop that up for the x-men lover in your life and uh red room crypto killers is the current comic that i'm uh putting out into the universe murder on the dark web for fun and profit is the subject matter of red room comics uh there are two trade paperbacks out there in the wild right now uh crypto killers is the third and final season i urge you to grab issue number three of crypto killers because it's going to feature a backup story that is the proto version of the daily comic strip that i am working on that i will begin serializing on my patreon sooner than later and out into the wider world at a later date Support our books, keep the channel rocking that way. But there are some other ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, fanny packs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. And our latest design there, the uh, wrestling mask Cartoonist Kayfabe design, has been selling like gangbusters. Super so thanks fun. everybody for that. All good ways to support the channel. Jimmy, give them the marching orders. We'll be on our way. Read more comics.